Okay, uh, we're starting week two of a series called Mastermind. Uh, we've adapted this from uh, LifeChurch.tv. Uh, loved it so much. Heard one of, well, actually, most of the messages, and um, I'm going to, if you listen to the same thing, there's some similarities, but uh, for the most part, it's going to be mostly me because I have a hard time following somebody else's word-by-word um, stuff. So um, I want you to be willing and able um, to see what God has in store. If you weren't here last week, uh, the primary last week was this idea um, that our thoughts are going to direct our path. The, strong, the strongest thought we have inside of us, that thing that keeps cycling us in our brain, we will move in the direction of that thought. It just happens. I don't know if you see it happening in your life, but it is happening. And last week we gave you some kind of hey, things to do. One of them is um, identify a stronghold, because we talked about the text that said, you know, we're going to demolish strongholds. We're going to demolish those strongholds with the truth of God. So last week was, what is the number one thing that you keep and cannot get out of? And what is the truth that's going to demolish that stronghold? Because we cannot just decide to move. This is not the power of positive thinking. This is applying the truth and power of the Holy Spirit through the Word of God for us to move in a way that is beneficial to what God has for us. So I have a question for you. If you were here last week, how did it go? You don't have to answer that. I normally ask questions. I think there's one time in today's sermon that I might ask for some response, but I'll let you know beforehand. You know, you don't want to be that one person that raises your hand when the pastor says raise your hand when I don't really mean for you to raise your hand. Uh, but like, how did it go? Just in, in if you if you saw it last week, you're like, oh my gosh, like there's this. There's this thing that I just feel like I keep beating my head up against, like I'm not good enough, that I'm never going to overcome this, I'm never going to get out of this, I'm going to be stuck in this, whatever this is, for this period of time. And, and last week you saw maybe a glimmer of hope of going, yes, I'm going to see, I'm going to name, because you have to name that stronghold, you have to name that lie, and find a truth that's going to counteract that lie. So uh, if it didn't, here, here's why I'm asking it. If it didn't go well, that's okay. There's no new habits, especially hard, discipline-oriented habits, that are going to happen easily. Anybody else um, struggled with habits that you've decided, I am going to do, and then you realize that it's not as easy as you think to do? So, how about this? This is another question, just answer it in your head. Uh, what do people, when do people normally quit a new habit? Day two. T- typically, if you're like New Year's resolution, new diet, new gym routine, usually within the first couple of days of that thing we've decided to do, whether, you know, it, it could not just be the gym, it could be upgrading our devotional life, like tomorrow I'm reading this and I'm going to do this. And, and usually in the first couple of days we get discouraged, we allow that discouragement to Take us off the rails and we just decide, well, you know, maybe it's just not in me to do that. That's dangerous. So, like, think about the last time you attempted a diet. 
uh, you started a new workout plan, you decided to stop procrastinating. I don't know if anybody else struggles with that. College was like, I didn't realize how bad a procrastinator I was until I entered college. And then I realized, this is an issue for me. (laughs) I'd like to say that I defeated it. I've gotten better at it, but it's still there. Upgrading our devotional life, and the list goes on and on. Listen to this. Proverbs 26. If you think, why do I keep reverting? Because if, you if you're wanting to start a diet or a workout plan or upgrading your devotional, and there's lots of other things on this list. These are just things that a lot of people deal with. Um, you, you probably wanted to do that. Like you, you, It's not just like, oh, yeah, like I need to get in shape or I need to lose weight or I need to get my devotional life in order. The problem is, is we've been so ingrained with the bad habits because something got us to that place. Something got us to the place that we're like, I do need a diet, or I do need to work out, or I do need a better devotional life, or I do need to stop whatever. Listen to this in Proverbs twenty six eleven, And this is gross. It's going to pre-warn you. Here you go. Like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Now, I'm not, I know you might be upset and think, he just, pastor just called me a fool. I didn't call you a fool. I didn't write that. But like, how, how much is this us? Like, we're, we're not, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not gonna do it. And we do it. And then, like, just like last week when we were talking about Paul, where he was like, the things that I want to do, I'm not doing. The things that I don't want to do, I'm doing. I mean, like, this is it. We, we return. And I have a dog, and he vomits every now and again. And like, have you ever seen that? I'm like, I know you're a dog. I know you're a dog. But like, what is appetizing about that? Like, it just came out of you. And there was a reason why it came out of you. Why do you want it again? But that's us. I know it's funny, but that's us. We're the same person that's like, oh, man, even better the second time. We love our bad habits. We love them. We don't say that we love them, and we usually despise them, and we want to change it, but we don't do it. We don't despise them enough to normally last past due two days. So if you decide to get your body in order or your, get into shape, what will be the most important, and this is not a ploy. I'm not going to sell you beach body at the end of this and, you know, get you signed up on some, you know, diet plan. Trust me. Just most people can relate to this idea. What is the most important thing that you can do? Most people are like, well, you got to hit the gym. You got to get in there. You got to routine. You got to burn calories, right? You got to go. You got to get start walking, start running. You got to start doing some physical activity. And let me just tell you, after about six years of pretty intentional three to five days a week of working out, but early in the morning. Early, early, dark 30 in the morning. It has little to do with what you do with your body. It has most, and i got a nutritionist to back me up right here, I think, I think, right? It has most to do with what you're going to put into your body. Which is what we're talking about today. It's not as much as like, well, I've got to do this thing, like this activity. Well, I've just got to. I've got to muscle up and do that. Like, I, I can go, like, I'm telling you what, I went to the gym and I've done these things. And if you're not going to control that pot, you know, that ice cream and the cookies and all the other things, like, you cannot outwork 
a bad diet. So it's more important, and this is tying in. I'm almost done with the whole diet stuff. So if you're feeling like this pressure, don't. It's most important of what you're going to put in, which is what we're going to talk about today. So last week we talked about winning the war of your mind. And you realize that winning it isn't easy. Some of you are like, winning? Where's the win at? Well, the win comes with discipline. Nothing good, nothing meaningful is ever going to happen just because you want it to. It has to take some effort on your, your end. So today we're going to talk about this idea of training your mind. And so we're going to be primarily in Philippians 4, um, 4 through 9. I'm going to read through those and we're going to talk about this idea and I'm going to get to, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but let's go. It's going to be on the board beside. So verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And when Things are repeated in Scripture, in the same line. There's a reason for that. They need to make sure that you get rejoice in the Lord always. Even when life is not going well, even when things aren't going your way, even when your plan of being more joyous and having more peace isn't working out. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. Church would be a whole lot better if we would listen. I don't mean just you guys. You guys are awesome. All those other people, you know, that aren't here today. Just kidding. Uh, let, let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Do not be anxious about anything. Is that, is, that, is that a natural thing that we get? Anybody in here? I mean, no, like anxiousness is not something we have to learn to do. It's something that naturally will happen. So what he's telling, do not be anxious about anything. And in not only in our lives, but in the lives of the people that are writing these things, there was a lot of things to be anxious. Death was one of those. Not by your own choice, not by old age, but literally being murdered for what you believed, what you said. In verse 7 it says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. So he said, don't be anxious about every, anything, but in, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be known to God, and then let that go. <laughs> like literally letting it go in the peace of God, which is where the only reasonable place that we can have peace, because most of our peace comes in the... It's situational. It's, it's what's going on in our world versus the constant, which is Christ. And so here, here's, so he just told us this. Hey, if you're not, you're going to be thankful in all things, rejoice in everything and, and uh, not be anxious and, 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 and you're going to pray and you're, in your supplication, you're going to have thanksgiving. 
um, and you're going to make this known with God, and, and, and he's going to give you peace. And then, then this is what he tells them in verse 8. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, is there, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard from me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. Look, this is work. Because it is not our natural mindset, in my opinion, that we think about the honorable and the just and the pure and the lovely and the commendable and the excellent. If there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. This is the work that we have to put in. If you want to fix what's going on in your mind, you have to change what you are going to allow your brain to spend time doing. It's just like the gym. If you want better whatever, let's just pick on legs because no one likes leg day. If you want better legs, you want better calves, what are you going to have to do? Not curls, but with your arms. You're going to have to do leg exercises because if you want to do something with those, you have to do something with your legs. It's the same thing. If we want to change our the way we think, the way we process what we're doing, it has to come from us training our brain to do what it does not want to do. I mean, how many just cynical, jaded people that we have in this room? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. I mean, it's it, me. Like, I, I don't naturally think about what is good. I'm like, oh, I'm thinking all kinds of mean things when I'm driving around these roads. People can't drive. And then I go over the lane and someone honks at me and thinks I'm one of those people. I just had a moment. So instead of just having peace that like, man, maybe, maybe they just like sneeze and, you know, no big deal. I mean, we're not talking about those blatant sinners that go around to everybody when you're waiting in line because the traffic's backed up. We're, you know, those Jesus is going to have to. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. If that's you, I've talked to some of you and I know it's you. And, you know, you can still get to heaven, still get to heaven. Jesus is not going to take your spot away. Uh, but he would say that you shouldn't do that. I'm just saying. Just, just saying. But if we're going to make it that way, if our minds don't naturally go that way, I, I think, like, for people, I have a lot of hope in, like, conversation. So I don't want you to think, like, man, he's cynical about me. That's not what I'm talking about. But, like, when it comes to the world, I'm pretty cynical. And so my mind naturally thinks about things that just aren't beneficial, they aren't helpful here. And he's saying, hey, instead of spending your time trying to remedy the world's problem, think about me. Think about not only what I've done, but what the Word has said, what have happened in you. Think about these things. And so what we're going to talk about is this idea of meditation and, you know, I say that word, and some of you are like, oh my gosh, this is one of those churches. We have a quiet room in the other where there's a little ding. You can, ah. No. 
See, meditation, there's, there's, you know, meditation, we, we think, like, I'm not talking about Eastern meditation, I'm talking about biblical meditation. So meditation literally means to engage in mental exercise, to focus one's thoughts. So the idea of Eastern meditation is that you empty your mind, and then in emptying your mind, there's a benefit to that. Biblical meditation is filling your mind with the Word of God. Putting in your mind, thinking about, like even taking one line out of, the, out of the text and go, God, what in this, like help me here and just meditating on what he's saying, putting into our brain. Psalms 119.15 says, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways that I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to meditate. I'm not just going to, you know, let me tell you what meditation is not. Meditation is not putting your Bible app on audio and listening to it. I'm not against that. But meditation is taking the truth. So what we're talking about here is battling and defeating and crushing the lie and taking the truth. And we're going to have to allow that truth to absorb into us, which means we're going to have to meditate on it. Psalms 143 um, the latter half of part verse five, it says, I meditate on all that you have done and I ponder the works of your hand. I meditate. I put what is going on in you, what you have done. So if we're going to change our brain, we're going to have to do something in us that we're not naturally doing. We're going to have to train it. It's just like anything else. Consistency is key. If you've Ever had a child? Training a child is, you know, it's, a, it's the curse word of parents. It's more than four letters. Consistency. Right? Parents, are you with me? Like, I'm telling you, kids are gamblers. If they're, you know, if they're, you know, if they're going to win 70% of the time, they're going to roll that dice. And it's the same thing with us. We have to be intentional with setting in us. And, and part of that is coming up with a plan that you're going to, and so we'll talk about this in a second, this, write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. Write it, think it, confess it until you believe it. And I'm not talking about statements that don't have biblical ground. I'm talking about taking the truth that is God's word and writing it, thinking it, confessing it until you can walk in it. First Timothy, verse or chapter 5, verse 12 through 15. And this is Timothy. This is Paul writing to one of his young men, and he's telling him, this is a kind of famous verse. If you're ever in youth group, you probably, someone spoke this to you. Let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers as example in speech, in contact, uh, conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture and exhortation to teaching. Do not neglect the gift you have, which was given to you by prophecy when the council of elders laid their hands on you. So he's saying what, what happened to you, like when, when you stepped into this ministry that Timothy's in. When the elders came together and they laid their hands on you and, and spoke destiny into you and, and God placed you in this position, he tells them in verse 15, these things that you know to be true about yourself and what God has called you to do. In verse 15, practice these things. Immerse 
yourselves in them so that all may see your progress. Progress is important. Look, no one expects you to be perfect. I don't expect you to be perfect. And you know why? Because I'm not perfect. I understand what's going on. I am not perfect. I'm not expecting you to be perfect. But what I am expecting us, including me, to do is to move forward. To go from where we are. And this is the measure of what God is doing in us. Is seeing where we were and where we're at. I think sometimes we have this false picture of what we should be right now. And it ruins the right now. Instead of going, God is moving me towards This, I don't think, honestly, that we enter perfection until Jesus comes back and removes us from this body of sin. But we should be moving forward. We should be moving towards it. Practice these things. Immerse yourself in them. See, the crazy part is, is there's some things in your life that you've done that with. And it's changed you. And I'm talking about secular things, things that you've just done. Like, I'm going to committed to this. I'm going to do this thing. And it's made you better because you practice those things. I think and I'm, this is danger when you start pulling things out of your memory. So I could be wrong. But I think it, the, if you read 15 minutes of a, uh, a subject, 15 minutes of a, a topic uh, a day for three years, in three years you'll be an expert in that topic. I mean, 15 minutes a day. If you spend time on one thing and you're like reading it every day, you're, you're taking in more and more information. In three years, you're going to be an expert. Not, I'm not sure we'll ever get to the expert stage because I think God is, you know, there's just so much of what he has for us. But practice these things. Practice them. Immerse yourself in them so that all will see your progress. Because remember, your life will always be moving in the direction of your strongest thought. What comes to your mind will come out of your life. And so the question, this is another question for you. Don't answer it out loud. If you're sitting next to your spouse, don't elbow them. What direction are you headed? There's a thought. And the the question is, are you okay with that? Because the problem is most of us aren't okay with where we're at and where we're going right now. But we're unwilling to to do something about it because it seems hard. And it is hard. Anyone that tells you following Jesus is going to be easy is a liar. Because you have lots of wants and desires. And a lot of those are contrary to what God wants from you. It will be the most difficult thing you successfully do. Period. But it is, it, it, and here's, here's the, just a, a, a thought bigger than that. If, and I only say if, just because, not because I believe that it's an if. But if God is who he says he is. And, and if he knew that, that we had been separated from him, and that the only way for us to ever have a relationship, to enter into his presence ever again, is to send his son, part of the Trinity, here to this planet to live the life that you couldn't sinlessly, never sinning, doing everything in obedience to the Father, going to the cross, dying on the cross for you, so that in that, 
you can have life. In His resurrection, we can have life. If He's done all of these things for us, and He's told us, like, this is the way that you're going to be the most happy, have the most peace, is following Me, releasing from yourself and all the wants and desires, and saying, God, you have the best for Me, and trusting God with your story. I heard this the other day. I don't know if... Max Licata was really popular back in the day, and some people may remember who he is, but he had this story about a um, mom. She had put her child to bed upstairs, came downstairs, and was you know probably on the couch reading a book or whatever. Um, and she hears a thud about 30 minutes later, and she goes upstairs, and uh, her son is on the floor beside the bed, and he's kind of waking up. And she asks her son, she's like, what happened? And he, and he said this, and I, I like this. He replies, I guess I stayed too close to where I got in. Think about the implications here. I think sometimes we want to skate into the kingdom by getting right over the line, because over the line means heaven. And we stay right there, and we wonder why we fall out of the bed. Oh, and I'm not, I'm not talking about out of salvation. I'm talking about falling out of the bed and beat ourselves up because I believe that we love lingering at the line instead of going, God, I want to push as far into you as possible. As far in to you. I want to demolish those strongholds because the things that are robbing you of life is not what God is withholding from you. It is what you are allowing in your life. So what are those? I am not what I have or buy. I know I talk about Amazon all the time. And, you know, sometimes my orders on Amazon are sin, not because of what they are, but because of what it makes me feel. <laughs> I almost got in a fight with Jody the other day because she tried to open one of my boxes. <laughs> like, don't rob me of that joy. Don't, don't do it. And it was something for the church. It's not like it was anything for me. I'm like, don't do it, don't do it. I need it. I need to open that box. It's like, you know, Santa Claus, but you pay for it and it comes to your house. My identity is in Christ and Christ alone, not in what I have or buy. By God's power, I can change. Christ in me is stronger than my desires. And I know it doesn't feel like that, but that is the case. If the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us, if that power that raised Christ from the dead is in us, there is power to say no to our desires and to move forward. My God is for me, with me, and has given, all, given me all I need. So if we're going to take that, we're going to have to write the truth. We're going to have to think the truth. We're going to have to confess the truth until we Believe it. And this isn't fake it until we make it. This is literally taking the truth and deciding this is who God says I am. So if you're worried all the time, because of Christ, I'm not anxious about anything. My, I cast my cares on God because He cares for me. I have the peace of God dwelling in my heart and ruling my mind. Don't know God's will? 
My life belongs to God. Daily I seek Him, and daily He directs my steps. I know His voice, and He leads me in His perfect will. Lack confidence? My confidence is in Christ and Christ alone. Because His Spirit lives in me, I can do everything He calls me to do. What if you believe that? What, what if you literally believed his truth over what's going on inside of you? Because I, we are our worst. There's no worse credit critic of you than you. I mean, I don't care how mean your spouse is. No elbows, please. Because people behind you see it. There's no one more critical of you. Because you know every thought that you have. Everything that's running through your brain that you don't voice. There's no worse critic of you. And the danger is, is that we'll believe the lie that we tell ourselves over the truth of who we are. And so what I want to do, I'm going to invite our worship team to come back up. And I have a list of things that I'm going to read to you. And we're going to go back into worship and we're going to choose. Well, not we're going to. You have the opportunity to choose. To say, God, this is what I'm going to believe. This is what I'm going to experience. And let me just tell you, hearing it out of my mouth and, and some of the things that have been communicated so far, hearing it one time is not going to work. You're going to let me make sure you're going to have to write it. And that for those teachers out there, you know, the benefit of, of doing people process and learn in different ways, write it, think it. Confess it until you believe it. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to read some statements to you. And most of these statements are taken directly from Scripture. But part of what's going to be beneficial of today, if you're going to train your brain, it means you have to enter into a training regimen. It means you have to do something different. It's not just like, yes, I want to think better. I want to walk out of here and have the peace and joy that God has promised me. No, it means that you're going to have to be intentional. Because what's going to happen tomorrow, next time you're in traffic, next time you think, you know, someone says something and you don't because you're good Christian people. You don't mouth it like you don't let it come out of you, but it's in you. So you begin to think that one thought about this person, you will end up despising and hating this person because of things that aren't even going on outside of you, but inside of you. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read and it's going to be a long list of things and I, you can take a picture of this. I actually took it right from his material, but I loved these things. And and let me just tell you, um, these are for those who are in Christ. We cannot claim a truth to be our truth for something that we're not living for, period. We can't claim a scripture from a God that we don't surrender and give ourselves to. Because it's not our truth. But if you are a child of God, these are the truths or some of the truths that are yours. You are strong and mighty. You have the same power that raised Christ from the dead dwelling inside of you. You are a weapon of righteousness in a world of darkness. You are not your past. You are not what you did. You are who God says you 
are. He says you are forgiven. He says that you are redeemed. He says that you are free. You are not a hostage to your unhealthy thoughts. The weapons you fight with are not the weapons of this world. You have divine power to demolish strongholds. You have the mind of Christ dwelling uh, or directing your thoughts. You have the word of God guiding your steps. You demolish every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. You take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. Worry is not your master. You trust. In God, his peace guards your heart, guards your mind and guards your soul in Christ Jesus. Your God has not given you the spirit of fear, but the spirit of power and of love and of sound mind. The Lord is your helper and you will not be afraid. You are not a slave to your habits. You are not a prisoner to an addiction. You have been rescued from the power of darkness and brought into the kingdom of God's light. You are empowered. You are chosen. You are called. You are the masterpiece of God created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for you to do. Your God will bless you abundantly. So that in all things and at all times, having all need, you will abound in every good work. Your God is for you. Your God is with you. No weapon formed against you, you will prosper. And here's the last one. Nothing can separate you from God's love. Not death, not demons, not the present nor the past. No power on earth will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. How different would our lives be if we believed what God has declared over us? I mean, that, that's where you get to this, like, I, I'm not, don't be anxious about anything. How do you get there? Because you understand who you are, even when your actions don't speak that way. Because the, the beauty of salvation is you did nothing to deserve it. It was a free gift given to you by God. You have to surrender. That's, that's the work. Of your salvation. You have to say yes. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confess. Jesus as my Lord and Savior. But he did all the work. For you. And so if you're here in this room. And you're like well those truths aren't mine. Because I haven't surrendered to Jesus. My question for you is why not. And I, I'm, I'm for. Like work that out. If you're like I, I don't know. There's just so many things I don't know. Start a process. Start asking Questions start looking for the answer to what's keeping you from this.
the truth that is in Jesus Christ. But if these are used, if these are your truths, then claim them. Train your mind in them. Find text. I mean, if you just go to the Internet and you Google identity scriptures, it'll give you tons of things that the Bible says about his children. What the Bible says about us, and you take those truths and you begin to train your brain to believe it even when you don't feel it. And so now uh, we're going to worship. We can sit here and feel bad about what's, you know, to the point that we're here right now and we've not done these things, and yes, we should have, and all these other things. And let me just tell you, nothing changes without our action. Nothing changes without our deciding to say, Lord, we're going to trust you over everything else. And so as we worship, the reason why we put a song at the end of our service is not to keep you here a little bit longer. The reason why we put a song here isn't even so that you can sing the song, because sometimes you need to just sit here and just go, God, what, what, something's stirring in me, and I, I need resolution. Have a, if you need to sit there and have a conversation with God, great. Have a conversation with God. Work through, pray. There's going to be prayer people up front. If, if you need someone to, you know, just like, I just need prayer. Uh, and, if, and if you're ready, like you, you're, you feel settled there, and worshiping and singing is the best thing that you can do, which is amazing to be able to praise God because you're not only just praising Him through this song, but you're literally declaring these things about Him. And what he's done for us. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we close this service, as we enter back into worship, Lord, I pray that you would help us not only uh, identify strongholds, identify lies. Lord, I pray that in and through the Holy Spirit, as I was speaking today and, and bringing up different scenarios and talking about different things, Lord, I, I pray that if, if you brought something to their attention, if there was a, you know, a, something inside of them that stirred on that point, Lord, I pray that you would help them recognize the lie, recognize the stronghold, and Lord, I pray that in your word we would find the truth that demolishes, that destroys, that eradicates in us the lie and give us the truth that we can experience. Lord, we want the peace that passes all understanding. We want the joy that comes from You. And that will not come on our own effort. It will come on as we begin to trust and believe of what you've already said about us. And Lord, if there's someone in this room that is set on the sidelines, has not surrendered, not given themselves to you, Lord, I pray that in this moment right now, that in the truth of the living God, that you would bring them, that you would draw them to you, that you would show them your heart for them, that you willingly went to the cross to pay the penalty for their sins so that they could live in freedom. And so, Lord, as we sing as we worship. Lord, I pray that freedom would be our heart cry. That where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Bring us freedom. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.